The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. Did you know before Jesus rose from the dead, he actually declared those words? This is what he said. He says, I am. Everybody say, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. And so today I want to uh, share the story of Lazarus. Now, if you're a little fuzzy on that reference, I'm so glad that you're here because I wanna share with you where the truth from that scripture comes from. And then I wanna speak directly to your Lazarus because I believe that this story is an example. It's a window, if you will, into the power of who Jesus is as our resurrected Lord and Savior. Because how many of you know that death has no dominion over life himself? And death has no dominion over those of us who are in Christ. Because he lives, we live. And because he is life, we have life eternally. And so today, I'm so excited that you're with us. That's what we celebrate on this Easter Sunday. The tomb, the tomb is empty, right? The tomb is empty. If we have never met, my name is Adam Demetrician, and I have the pleasure and the privilege of pastoring here at Pathways Church. I want to welcome every single person who is online. We have people in our overflow room, and uh, can we just give it up for our online church family so they can receive this message? Enjoy. We love you. We don't know where you're watching from, but you know, we know you're with us, and uh, more importantly, uh, we know that Jesus is here. Wherever you are, Jesus is there. And so we're so excited. And I'm happy because you're here. I feel electrified. I feel like this 930 service is, man, it feels, I told DeRay, I'm going to preach like Steve Furtick, T.D. Jakes, Andy Stanley, and, and Billy Graham all in one. I said, just, I just said, put this one online. He looked at me. He was like, Demo, you're crazy. I said, I'm ready. I might preach long. I don't even care. They can wait. They can wait in the parking lot. Go to another church. I'm just joking. <laughs> I do have elders in this service. I better watch out. Anyways, uh, I'm so excited that you're here today. And uh, I believe that uh, you're hungry for God's word. God's word is the Bible. It's his word. There is nothing that goes against his word. It's infallible. The word of the Lord never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the scripture says, my word will last forever. So how many of you are ready for God's word? Ready? John chapter 11. Here we go. John chapter 11. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. Now, these were some of the closest friends of Jesus. This is where he often went. He went to Bethany, a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem, as a respite, as a place to rest after long ministry trips. And let me tell you about the family. First, there was Martha. Martha was a fantastic cook. How many of you are looking forward to like a great Easter meal, okay? Martha, she made the best 
garlic, honey, wings, barbecue wings that you ever, your lips have ever tasted. That's not in the Bible. I'm making that up. Before air fryers, like she was on it, okay? She was incredible. And Mary, her sister, she was just a fabulous listener. Like she would sit at the feet of Jesus and after he would come and tell stories about feeding the 5,000 or healing the man that was born blind, like Mary was there listening and she was just like, oh, she would soak it up. And Lazarus, well, Lazarus was one of Jesus's closest friends. I can imagine that they would take a walk on, on the countryside together, a prayer walk. Can you imagine taking prayer walks with Jesus? I believe, I believe this was the type of friend that, that Lazarus was to Jesus. But in this moment, in John chapter 11, Lazarus is sick. He's sick. He's so sick that he's about to die. And Mary and Martha are waiting on, on Lazarus to be healed. They're waiting. Everybody say waiting. You know, the first thing that hit me when I was looking over this text is simply this. A waiting season does not need to be a wasted season. A waiting season does not need to be wasted by you and me as we're waiting for Jesus. Look at what Mary and Martha did. The sisters sent word to Jesus they sent a message to Jesus. Now, I'm not sure if they wrote that out on papyrus. I don't know if they gathered a few individuals and they said, hey, you got to get this message to Jesus. I'm not sure what they did. I know there wasn't Twitter. I know there wasn't Instagram. I know there wasn't Facebook. But some way they got word to Jesus. And I know what that message said. It said this, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. See, in a waiting season, we have a couple different options. The first option is to worry. And how many of you know when you worry, it creates distance between you and God? Why? Because your focus is on the situation or your focus is on your strength or your focus is on your resources. So you ask questions like this, how am I gonna fix this? What am I gonna do? Who do I know? How can I figure this out? But the other option is to worship. And when you worship in a waiting season, it moves you closer to God. The Bible says that those who draw near to God, God will draw near to you. See, when you're in a waiting season, the faithful ones are the ones who worship. And I wanna encourage somebody here today, if you're in a waiting season, if you're waiting on Jesus, I wanna encourage you to worship Jesus. Choose worship instead of worry. And the key term there is choose because sometimes your faith has to override your feelings. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you'll be in a place where you're like, you know, I don't feel like worshiping. I understand you. I get it. It's easy to worship on Easter. It's not so easy to worship on Good Friday or Silent Saturday, is it? It's a little harder when you're in the thick of it. Some of you are like, what's Silent Saturday? That's when there was nothing. He was laid. He was killed. He was tortured. He was stabbed in the side. They took him down. They wrapped him in linen. And he was in the tomb. It was cold. It was dark. And the next day on Saturday, it was completely and utterly silent. What do you do when it's silent? Can you worship when it's silent? Can you worship when you've, been, when you've been banging on the door of heaven and saying, oh God, would you show up? 
You sent the messages. Now, thankfully for Mary and Martha, Jesus got the message and he responded. Now, I just want to tell you, Jesus always gets your message. He always gets your message. This is what he said. He said this. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. Here's the thing, friends. God will wait on you. God will wait on you. He is patient waiting on you before he grants you what you, what you asked for and what you need. You know why? Because God doesn't waste miracles. Maybe, maybe the miracle, maybe what you need on this Easter, on this Resurrection Sunday, maybe it's not about your immediate gratification. Maybe it's about God's eternal glory. Maybe God is waiting. Maybe this season of waiting is so that he can prepare and that he can get you ready for the miracle that he wants to do in you. Maybe you're just not quite ready. Maybe God knows more than you do. Maybe God sees further along the road than you see. Maybe God senses and knows something in your situation or life circumstance that you can't see, touch, quantify. You can't make a Gantt chart around it. There's no Excel that can figure out the situation that you're going through. But Jesus Christ knows, he understands, and he sees you. He loves you. He loves you. Now, everything up to this point in John chapter uh, 5 is total, it is, it is copacetic. It is good. It's all good. Until verse 6. Everybody say verse 6. This is when the wheels come off. Here we go. Verse six. Let's go. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was. How many more days? That's just not right, Jesus. That's not even Christian. Like, what are you talking about? You're going to stay there two more days? I thought, wait, time out. You didn't come when they wanted you? It's not like they wasted the season. I mean, they sent you the letter. You told them that, that this sickness isn't going to end in death, and yet you waited two more days. How many of you ever felt like Jesus was late in your life circumstance? Can we be honest on Easter? Or we all got to be Christian and like religious and put on the game face? Right? I, I have. I've pressed in, I've tried to do everything, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've called 19 friends of mine who I know are the most spiritual people, I've put out stuff to the elders, to the staff, and Jesus still, still didn't show up. <laughs> and then he showed up. The text says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He's so late. The funeral's already over. He's done. Missed the graveside. The, food, the leftovers are done. And he's now coming to Bethany. And, and you know what? Martha has an attitude. Mm-hmm. Men, how many of you know hell hath no fury for a woman scorned? 
Yeah. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Jesus was in trouble. You know why I know that? Some of you are like, oh, that's blasphemous. No, it's not. Look at the text. You know how I know that? Look, look, look right here. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she didn't even stay home. She grabbed her purse and her iPhone. She said, oh, he's coming? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm going to go meet Jesus. Now, this is how I imagine this scenario went. Oh, Jesus, nice to see you. Uh-huh. You came when I cooked, but you didn't come when I cried. I sent you the letter. I worshiped you. Me and Mary, I made all the food, all the wings, everything that you loved. I did your favor. Mary said, well, we better write him a letter. That's what we did. The one that you loved, you know Lazarus. Well, he died. You didn't show up. I begged you. I wanted the 911 treatment. I wanted the ambulances, the horns just blaring, the lights flashing, and you were late. Mm. Now, what Martha didn't know is that Jesus isn't into resuscitations. He's into resurrections. See, here's what you need to know about the context of this reference that Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. In Judaism, there were Jewish mystics who felt like the spirit of an individual would hover around them for three days, but on the fourth day, their spirit would leave. They would go to Sheol or to Hades. Sheol's a reference to the Old Testament, the underground, the underworld, or Hades is a reference to, to hell. So what Jesus was doing, Jesus, he loved them so much he was late. Jesus can love you sometimes so much that he'll be late in your situation so that he'll show you his power and glory that you never could have seen if he came early. You just started, you just started saying, well, that was because of me. There would have been a little pride in you to say, oh yeah, I did that. I had friends. We all handled that situation. Thank you, Jesus. I'll see you next Sunday. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Four days. Four days. The same way the heavenly father on Sunday morning, went down and he shook the ground according to the gospel of Matthew and the angel rolled the tomb away. Our great God isn't into resuscitations. He's into resurrections. Now, let me just pause here and let me state the painful obvious. The reality is that we have all experienced over the past two years, two and a half years, some real trauma. Our world, our nation has been shut down. We have gone through political division, the ongoing racial tension. And now we have a whole new set of problems, don't we? We have soaring inflation. We have supply chain issues. Can't get anything anymore. The Fed is about to raise the interest rates. We have high employee turnover. We have, we have emotional burnout, mental illness. We, we have economic inconsistencies. We, we have marriages 
that have been dissolving and unraveling in relationships and families and things that, that have just been so painful. And I think on this Easter Sunday, I don't think that you came here for some cute Easter bunny message. I don't think you came for some high church homily. I think you came because you need resurrection power because you know at any moment our world is so uncertain. It's off kilter. And while we're pressing in and we're believing for our future, there's a sense of, you know what? This might not work out. And I just want to tell you and the devil today that it will work work out that our Savior is risen, that he is the victor, and that he holds all authority and power because he is Jesus Christ our Lord. There is nothing that you have to fear. There is no one that you need to be afraid of. I don't care what's happening in Ukraine. I don't care the genocide. I don't care about Putin. I know that God is on the throne. I know that there is victory. I know that he wins. I know it. I know it. But in the midst of it, I've been praying for you. I prayed for you more in the last two and a half years than I've ever prayed in my entire life for any church that I've ever served at. I've fallen in love with this congregation in some new ways. But if we were honest, We've had to bury some things, haven't we? We've had to bury some things together, some hopes, some dreams. You've had to bury some things. You've had to bury some loved ones. You've had to bury some things that you thought, you know, I thought it was gonna go this way and then all of a sudden you've had to, you, there's been things in my life that I've had to bury. There are things that came up inside of me over the last couple of years and I'm like, ooh, that's not, that's not Jesus-like. There's some things I need Maybe some, some things got shut down. Maybe some things happened so that we could focus afresh on our Heavenly Father. And here's what I want you to know. In the midst of what we've been going through, Jesus has been there. He's been there with us. He's not gonna leave us. He's not gonna forsake us. He's been there with us. But, but what I love about Jesus is that before he rose from the dead, he had the power to say, I'm the resurrection and the life. And what Mary and Martha and what you today, perhaps you today, you don't even know the authority of Jesus, but here's what he said to Mary and Martha. And I believe this is what he's gonna say to some of you today. He said, take me to the tomb. Where, where have they laid him? You know, Jesus Jesus comes close to what other people push away. He's not afraid of those things. He's not appalled by what you have buried. He's not afraid of what you have lost. He's not concerned about the shame that you have sensed or felt because of what has happened in your life. He doesn't, he doesn't care about those things. What he sees in you is your heart. What he sees in you is that you've been created in his father's image. He doesn't see your sin or your past. He sees you and your future and your potential when your life is in him. That's what he sees. He loves you. He loves you so much. He cares about you. In fact, listen to how cool this is. 
Before Jesus demonstrated his authority at the tomb, he demonstrated his empathy. Do you know why? Because here's what he does. When he gets to the tomb, scripture says in John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. He wept. C- can you imagine the son of God, fully human and fully God, he's weeping at the tomb of his friend, Lazarus. You know what that tells me? That we have a savior who is familiar with our pain and our grief and our sorrow. The reason we can have faith for Friday is because Jesus went through a Friday. He understood a Friday. That's why he could sit with Mary and Martha and he could break down and weep. But thank God the Lord, that Jesus isn't just an empathetic, moralistic teacher, but he's a risen savior who has power to say, I'm the resurrection and the life. See, the thing is, when we bury things, we start identifying our lives with the losses that have occurred in our lives. We start identifying with the things that we have buried. We start telling stories about who we are based on the things that we have buried. And I wonder today on this Easter in 2022, the past year, maybe God, just maybe Jesus wants to ask all of this as a church, as a community, will you identify with the things that are buried or will you begin to identify with the things that I wanna bring back to life? Will you begin to identify with the future, the potential of who I am in you? Do you know Romans says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, in you. So what's dead? What have you lost? What are you mourning and grieving over? I get it, I hear you, Jesus has been with you, but there is a day of resurrection, friends. There is a Sunday, there is an Easter, and I believe that today Jesus wants to stand at your tomb, and he wants to say, as he said to Mary and Martha and to Lazarus, 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 I'm the resurrection and the life. And he said, come out, come out. Now listen, everybody was thinking to themselves, oh my word, I I hear something, but I don't see anything. Listen, you might start hearing things in you, but you might not see them. Scripture says, we walk by faith, not by sight. People started hearing at the tomb, there's a sound, and Lazarus started, man, Lazarus came out of that tomb like this. He was wrapped up, he started jumping, do you know why? because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in him, even though he dies, he will never die. That's the power and the authority. And somebody here today, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you need to know that there is resurrection power in Jesus' name. You need to know that your past and your sin and your shame don't have the final word. I don't care what your mama said about you. I don't care what your ex said about you. I don't care what your friends think about you. I know what Jesus thinks about you. I know he loves you. I know he wants more for you. I know you have a future in him. I know that you are a 
victor in Jesus Christ. I know what I believe in. I believe it. So. I want you to receive it now. This is where faith is so fun. And I don't mean fun in some corny, cheesy way. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say it's fun. Like I'm, t- I'm talking about it's fun in the sense of this is where you begin to own your faith. This is begin where you take your faith and now you apply it. You receive, I want you to receive an infusion of the power of the Spirit inside of you. This is where we begin to participate with the Almighty God. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? If you don't, it's okay. If you do, shake your head, because I don't want to sound like I'm, right? I want you to receive that today. See, Jesus simply said to, to Mary and Martha, I'm the resurrection of life. Those who believe in me, though they die, they will never die. They'll live. And then he said, do you believe this? The one application of this entire Easter message, especially in the season that we have come out of, is simply this. Do you believe this? I want to raise your level of faith. I want you to have new faith to say, I truly do believe. I'm so glad I came. I need to be a part of this. I need to have faith. I needed to get restoked again. I need to get re- Listen, listen to me. You are a person of favor. You are a person of favor. And favor, God's favor follows, watch this. It follows those who are faithful to him. Favor always follows faithfulness, it does. And so today, I want you to receive his favor. I want you to receive his favor. If you bow your heads and hearts with me in this moment, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you say, you know, Adam, there is something that is dead. It's lost. It's hurting. It's broken in my life. And you're right. I didn't come for a cute Easter message. I came to encounter God. Maybe you're a guest today and you're like, actually, I did come for a cute Easter message. And I was looking for Martha to cook me a meal afterwards. That's okay. But in this moment, you realize, whoa, this is totally different. That's Jesus, friends. We're not about a performance. We want the presence of the risen Savior here among us. And he is here. Good news. You showed up and he's here. And he wants to minister to you in this moment. I believe it. I believe it. So if you're here today and you need Jesus to resurrect something in your life, you need some hope some power, you need Jesus to bring some things back to life. You lost some things, but if you're really honest, you would say, man, I need Jesus to do a resurrection. If that's you, on three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, all across this room, three. Who is it? Yup, tons of hands, raise them up high. I wanna see them, because I'm gonna be praying for you this week. I'm gonna be praying for you this week. Yep, lots of hands, lots of hands. You can put them down. I'm gonna include you in this prayer. Heavenly Father, you saw every hand that went up and you saw every hand that was a little afraid to go up. You see every hand in every state that has gone up. Our online church family, I pray in the name of Jesus 
I speak resurrection power. God, I believe that you can do Ephesians 3.20 far more than we can ever even imagine or think. Oh God, do it, I pray. Resurrect some things. Redirect some things. Refresh some things. Renew some things in your name. Now you're here today and you would say, you know what? I need a rebirth. I need to be born again. Bible says that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Not based on who you are or what you did, but based on the power of Jesus Christ that he died on the cross, the sinless savior, and came back to life for our sin. When you place your faith, your trust, your hope in him, you dedicate your life to him. You begin to trust him with everything, all that you are. Maybe today you've drifted over the last couple of years, things have gone sideways, and your faith has grown so cold. Maybe you've never met Jesus, but you're here today. You're not here by accident. God brought you here by design. He reached down and he got a hold of you and said, I want you at Pathways Church. I want you to meet my son, Jesus. If that's you today, and you want to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around, but I wanna acknowledge it today. Yep, all across this room. Yep, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, I'm looking to my right, your left. Yes, thank you, up front, I see you, thank you, okay. Thank you. Now, as a church family, we pray this prayer out loud together. And all the hands that I didn't see and every person online, if I didn't see your hand, God sees your hand. I just wanna say that, he sees you. More importantly, he sees not your hand, but your heart. Man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. He sees your heart. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, for sending your son, Jesus, the resurrection and life, to die for me and to come back to life for me. I confess my sin. I repent. I was wrong. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Now come into me. Be my savior. Place your Holy Spirit inside of me so I can follow you. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with this prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate individuals who made a decision for Jesus Christ today? Yeah, let's celebrate that. Come on, let's celebrate that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good.